It's so good to be with you all again. Uh, just like I say every week, I miss seeing your faces in person. I miss being, being able to talk to you, but I'm grateful for this opportunity to be together in spirit. If you're a college student, make sure you fill out that Connect card. Uh, the link is attached to the video. If you're a new college student specifically, if you're a returning college student and we already know you, then just give me a high five online, all right? And we're so glad you're here. And if you're an adult during joining us, an adult who's not a college student. We're so glad you're here because this fall we're planting a brand new church in the Cedar Valley called Sent Church. And the idea behind Sent Church is we are sent by Jesus to bring the hope of the gospel to our friends. We believe that Jesus has sent us here to plant a church and to build the kingdom. So we pray that if that's something you're interested in, that you would join in with us on that. Uh, there should be a link attached to this video as well that says join the team. So join the team for Sent Church. I firmly believe that our lives are cyclical by God's design. By God's design, we have moments of big mountaintop experiences of joy and celebration, but then at the same time, we have moments of the valley where we experience grief and sorrow. I love mountaintop seasons. They are seasons of great celebration and victory. They are the seasons where we remember that our God is victorious and that our God brings great joy to us. I'm thankful for these seasons. And we often celebrate these seasons, but I don't think we appreciate what happens in the valley as much as we do in what happens on the mountain. I'm grateful for valley seasons as well. In the valley, God matures us. He builds our character in ways that he can't do on the mountain. He makes us rely upon him alone and put all of our trust into him. He shows us that he's faithful even when our situations aren't going the way we want them to. In the valley, we don't see God as the victorious king as much, but we see him more as a comforter and a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who never leaves our side. In the valley seasons, we can most deeply connect with God because those valley seasons create a desperation in our spirits and an openness to what he wants to do. In those seasons, God can come closer to us than in the mountain seasons. And for me, one of my valley seasons was when we were trying to get pregnant with Jane. It was a long journey of just over a year where we were praying to get pregnant. It was very difficult. We got pregnant, and then we miscarried that first baby, and then we had to pray for another five months to get pregnant with Jane. It was a very difficult season. During that season, it felt like forever, and I couldn't understand why God was putting me through it. I was angry at God at times. I couldn't understand why he wasn't answering my prayers. But now, looking back on that season, I'm actually very thankful for it. It was one of the most beautiful seasons of my life. I experienced God's presence in deeper ways than I ever had before. I lingered in prayer. I didn't just try to rush through my prayer list, but I lingered and I contended to have a baby. I fasted more than I ever had before. I stayed up late into the night in God's presence, asking him to move on our behalf. The valley situation pushed me to get in God's presence more. I learned in that season that I'm not very powerful in my own strength, and I can't just make everything work out in my life. Instead, I'm desperately dependent upon God. And that valley season prepared me for the mountaintop season of being a new dad, and it also made me a better pastor. 
I believe we're in a unique situation across the globe right now in the sense that the entire world all at once is in a valley season. See, typically some of us are in valley seasons, some of us are in mountaintop seasons, but the entire world is in a valley season. And many of us are worried about our health, we're concerned about the health of our loved ones, we're, or some of us are strapped financially, and some of us just feel this deep sense of uncertainty about what the future holds. All of humanity is in a desperate situation right now. Over these weeks of isolation and social distancing, I've asked God what he wants to do in this hour across the globe, but more for me, more specifically in our community. I really believe, as I've prayed, as I've listened to other pastors, as I've pursued God's heart, I really believe that God's priority in this season, I've said this before, but I believe his priority in this season is to teach us to stop depending upon the things of the world and to begin wholly depending upon him. I believe he wants us to press pause on our culture of hurry and constant busyness and teach us to prioritize his presence and to stop, to be still, and to know that he's God. God wants us in this season to get to know him in a deep way, to get to know him as one gets to know a best friend. He wants us to learn to just be with him in this season to just be in his presence, to not have to do anything, but just to be with you and God alone. He wants to teach us that. And there's really no better time for our community specifically to, or to lean into God's presence than now because we are preparing for some big transitions. We're preparing for, for some big new adventures. Pastor Derek and Taylor are taking over Chi Alpha as the directors. We have new staff coming on. We have new interns coming on. We're planting a church in the fall. There's a ton of stuff coming up, and I believe it's going to be a mountaintop season of victory. I believe so many people are going to get saved. I believe that our church is going to grow. I believe we're going to have a kingdom impact in the Cedar Valley. I believe that, but I believe that before God's going to take us on the mountain, he's got to take us to the valley. I believe that God wants to teach us to rely on him and him alone. He wants to strip away all the other stuff and just have him. So with that said, we're beginning a brand new series tonight called, it's called New Lands, okay? And the idea of this New Land series is we are headed into uncharted territory as a community. Brand new lands we're headed into. And I believe the new lands we're headed into is a land of growth and impact. I believe that. But I believe before we can talk about all that, we have to talk about the presence of God and the importance and the priority of being in God's presence, of being with him before we do anything, to just be with God before we try to do anything for God. So tonight's sermon is called The Priority of His Presence. The Priority of His Presence. I pray that for Sent Church and, and Kyle, for you and I, that our heart would always be to make God's presence our priority. I pray that our, pres- or that our priority would not be church growth, although I want to see new people come. I pray that our priority would not be being the, sle- or the sleekest ministry in town. I pray that our priority would be we want the presence of God in our day. I pray that for our community. So tonight, we're going to take a look at the story of Moses in the book of Exodus and how he learned to prioritize the presence of God as he led the people of Israel. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus, or not Exodus, Exodus chapter 34. And we're going to be in verse 29. When the book of Exodus begins, we see that God's chosen people, the Israelites, are held in slavery. They're in bondage in Egypt under Pharaoh. 
in the book of the book of Exodus tells us the story of how God used an ordinary man named Moses to free them from Egypt and how they wandered through the desert searching for the promised land that God had promised Abraham so many years before. Upon leaving Egypt, they travel through the wilderness and they come to Mount Sinai about 50 days after they were delivered from Egypt. And for about a year, they stayed at this mountain. And throughout Exodus, we see that we see that Moses goes up the mountain several times to be with God. And not just that, but he also goes into the thing, or the place called the Tent of Meeting, which was a tent outside the camp where he would go to be with God. And in his times with God, he got to know God in an intimate way. He got the Ten Commandments. The covenant was given. He was given the law. For Moses, it was really a beautiful time. And our main teaching text tonight comes from verse 29. It's just one verse, but then we're going to look at some other stuff in Exodus. So let's read this quick. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. So Moses was so full of the presence of God that his face shined with the radiance of God. And when I read this verse, I think of someone who falls in love. I think we've all seen it, especially college students. You see people falling in love all the time, right? And when they fall in love, they come and they're just shining with this radiance. They're so excited about their newfound love. I think Moses felt that way. He was so excited about the presence of God. He was so excited about his intimacy with God. He was just shining with love. He was shining with God. He couldn't stop smiling. The presence of God just exuded off of him. So with that said, the main idea tonight is this, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, as we head into this new season, we must prioritize the presence of God so that we can shine with the radiance of God. All right, it's a longer main idea, so I'm going to give you a second to write it down. As we head into this new season, we must prioritize the presence of God so that we can shine with the radiance of God. Before we can take new lands, we need to become a people of his presence and radiate with his presence, with his glory, and with his power. Before we can do anything for God, we have to be with God. All right, let's pray over that. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this community. Uh, Spirit, I just believe that you're doing a profound work tonight. And God, I pray that you would change our hearts. If we have not been in your presence, God, I pray that you would draw us back to your presence tonight. Or God, if we've never been in your presence, I pray tonight would be the first time where we just experience your power and your glory and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I want to do tonight is look at what Moses did when he was in God's presence to give us a blueprint for what we need to do when we're in God's presence or to give us an expectation for what we can expect when we go into God's presence. Okay, so the first point is this. In God's presence, we get to know his heart and his character. While talking to God in the tenant meeting in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the text says that, that Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So it's suggesting that, that Moses got to know God on a very deep level. Can you imagine having such intimacy with God where you could say that you spoke to him as one speaks to a friend? That sounds amazing. I want that. Can you, or could you imagine just knowing God in a way where it's like you could say, hey, we're best friends? That when you get a prompting from him or he speaks to you, you don't have to doubt if it's, a, or if it's his voice because you know his voice so well. That was the kind of relationship that 
the prophet Moses had with God. He didn't just know half-truths about God. He didn't just go based upon what he sees in his news feed from his other Christian friends. But instead, he knew God personally. He knew him for himself. He did not just know things about him. He knew God. He prioritized God's presence so much that he got to know God's true heart and character. He didn't just know things about him. I want to be like Moses. I want to go up on the mountain or into the tent and be with God and speak to him as a man speaks to a friend. I want to shine with the radiance of God. I want that for my life. I pray that you'd want it too. In Exodus 33, it tells us that there's a point where Moses goes to God and he says, show me your glory. Okay, so glory suggests beauty and power. So Moses is saying, hey, I want to see you for who you are, to see you in person. And God tells Moses, hey, man, you can't see me or or else you're going to die because you can't stand in my presence. But he decides that he'll proclaim his name to Moses, proclaim his name. And by proclaiming his name to Moses, he's saying that he's going to tell or tell Moses who he is in a way that's more deep and intimate than he's ever told anyone else or tell him more about him than he ever has told any human being. And God's name in the Old Testament and still today is Yahweh. And it's difficult to interpret what the name means. It literally means I am who I am. But it's a name that encompasses so much meaning. It's somewhat mysterious. And here in chapter 34, God's telling Moses, hey, I'm going to tell you more about my name and what it means. Okay, so let's read it. 34 verse 5 through 7. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is a huge moment in scripture. It's one of the few times that God describes himself. He says, this is what I'm like. If you don't know what I'm like, this is who I am. And this ends up being one of the most quoted passages in the Bible by the Bible. In other words, scripture writers point back to this verse over and over again throughout scripture. They circle back to it. And they're saying, this is what God is like. So Pastor John Mark Comer has a book all about these verses. It's called God Has a Name. I encourage you to read it. And in his book, he says that this verse, that these verses are ground zero for a theology about God. And I agree with him because it describes God for who he is. So what does it tell us about God? Plain and simple. Well, the first thing it tells us is God is merciful, gracious, and slow to anger. He's merciful, gracious, and slow to anger. The fact that this is listed first really matters. This is the most important thing about God, he's saying. When he puts it first, he's saying this is the most important thing. God desperately wants us to know that his baseline emotion is mercy and grace and compassion. And the word for compassionate or merciful in the Hebrew comes from a root, or from a root word meaning female or female womb. Okay, so kind of weird. And it's a feeling word. And what it suggests is that God has feelings towards us as a woman has towards her infant child. God is trying to tell us that he feels for us as a mother feels for her children. Picture a woman holding her brand new baby 
and the love in her eyes. That's how God feels towards you. That's how God feels towards you. And I know I said baby a little bit weird, but you can give me some grace there. All right, so the word for gracious is an action that means to show grace or to show favor. So God doesn't only feel something towards us, he takes action towards us. He comes through when we need help. But not only that, it says he's slow to anger. He's patient with us in our weaknesses. He's patient with us in our sin, and he gives us plenty of opportunities to make things right and to repent of our sin. God is neither a permissive parent or an angry jerk, but he's a good father. He's merciful, gracious, and slow to anger. All right, so next it tells us that God is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This tells us that God does not run out on his people. He does not abandon his people. He's faithful to the end, and his love does not run out on us. This doesn't mean things will be perfect, but it means we can always trust him and know that he is faithful. Faithfulness and love are at the core of who God is. It's right at the center of who he is. He keeps his promises. God is good, so much so that at the time that each of us were dead in our sins and trespasses, And headed to hell, he came to earth and he died the death that each of us should have died. And he rose from the grave doing what we could never do so that we could have a life, so that we could have eternal life with him. God is love. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. Okay, finally, the text tells us that God keeps steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And it goes on. I won't read the whole thing. This reiterates that God's baseline is love. He continually forgives us. He's eager to do so, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. God is not just loving. He's also just. He holds those two things. He's completely loving and completely just. This tells us that those who do not receive forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice, by by putting their faith in that sacrifice, they're going to have to pay for their sin. Wrongs are not going to go unaccounted for. Every wrong in this world will be made right and dealt with either through Jesus' sacrifice or through us being separated from God. God is not unconcerned with evil. Either Christ pays for it or we pay for it. And we have the choice if we want forgiveness and grace. So many of us have a tough time with this part of God's nature, this just part, because we fail to realize that we're all sinful, that every one of us has sin in us. We always believe that, that bad people are out there somewhere. It's like the, like the really bad people like Hitler and, and Saddam Hussein, like the really bad people are out there. Or the person we fight with on Twitter who we don't even know, they're out there. And we fail to realize that bad is in here, that sin is inside of our own hearts. We each have sin in our hearts and our sin demands a payment. But the question is, who's gonna pay it? And God is so loving that he sent Jesus to pay for our sin. On the cross, Jesus bore the weight of God's wrath. He paid for our sins. So, so God is completely loving and completely just at the same time. He's so just that he demands a payment, but he's so loving that he pays the payment himself. And it's our choice if we want to put our trust in Jesus. So tonight, if you haven't done that, I pray that you would put your trust in Jesus, that you put all your weight in him and say, I'm not going to depend upon my own righteousness, but instead I'm going to depend upon Jesus' righteousness. God's Just nature is one of his most beautiful qualities. His priority is to to recreate the world with no evil 
and no sin. And he will not stop until he has healed and renewed the world. And the only way to do that is to remove any sin and evil. So again, we have to either repent of our sin and receive the forgiveness of Jesus or pay for it. But the point is, God is going to remove all sin and evil. And this is good news. God's just nature is good news. There is coming a day when God will set everything right. There's coming a day where God will make all things new. There's going to be no more terrorism or sexual abuse or pandemics anymore, but it's going to be a perfect world. But for that to happen, God has to completely remove sin and evil. The devil wants us to question God's character. He wants to allow, or he wants to encourage us to allow our situations to dictate our perception of God. For me and Emily, when we lost our first baby and we struggled to get pregnant again, I had a very tough time believing that God had good intentions for me. Like, how could you give me a baby and then allow it to be taken away that quickly? I just didn't understand how God could have good intentions for me. And during that season, I had to keep going back to Scripture over and over and over again to see what it says about who God is. Specifically, Romans 8, where it says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Where it says that God will graciously give us all things. I had to keep going back to those verses to be reminded of who God is. I had to go into God's presence and say, God, show me your true heart. I don't understand why this stuff is happening to me, but I know that you're good. I see it in Scripture. I feel it in your presence. Show me, God. And that's what Moses did. He said, show me your glory. He said, show me who you are. I want to see you for who you are, God. I don't want to just depend upon my emotions or what other people tell me. I want to know who you are. And that's what we have to do in this season. We have to go up on the mountain. We have to go into the tent, and we have to see who God is and see that his baseline is compassion. And he's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We have to see that in this season or else we're going to get completely bombarded, completely weighed down by the sin in our world right now and by the evil and the destruction. We have to go into God's presence and say, show us who you are. Show us that one day you're going to put an end to all pandemics. God, show us who you are. And the main way to do that is to go to scripture and to read the word of God because this is truth. This is what we can depend upon. So I pray in this season that you'll be opening the Bible every single day. If you have time for Snapchat or TikTok or Twitter or the other stuff, you have time for Scripture. All right? Praise the Lord. All right, we got more points tonight. I'm going to preach tonight for a little bit. So just hold your horses. Don't turn me off, please. All right, so the second thing tonight is this. In God's presence, we need to intercede in prayer. In God's presence, we need to intercede in prayer. In Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountain hanging out with God. It's like you're in your quiet time, just hanging out with Jesus, right? Just being with Jesus. And that's what Moses was doing. And on the bottom of the mountain, the people of Israel were down there, and they're like, hey, is Moses ever coming back? Or is he just going to hang out up there? And they say, hey, we need a God. So what do they do? They get this great idea. After God had delivered them from Egypt and shut down the mightiest ruler in the world, they get this great idea to take gold and fashion a little golden calf Say, hey, we're going to worship this golden calf now. It's the stupidest idea in all of history. And they start worshiping this golden calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain. He's like, what in the world are you doing? You're worshiping a little golden statue right now. And we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What are you doing? And God is rightfully angry about this. God is angry. He is jealous for our love. God had just delivered them, and now they're already worshiping some other little statue, not even a year later. God is angry. So what does Moses do? He goes up and he implores with God to not wipe them out. 
He says, God, please do not pour out your wrath on my people. In desperate prayer, he says, God, will you relent of your desire to have justice right now? He even offers up himself. In verse 32, it says this, but now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Okay, Moses is saying, forgive them of their sin, and thankfully, God does not pour out his wrath on them. He does judge them in a way, but he does not completely do what he wanted to do, and Moses was able to alleviate God's punishment. And it's a great picture of what Jesus does for us. Jesus stands in the way of the wrath of God for us. He he bears all of God's wrath on himself so we can be forgiven. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, so what does this tell us about what we need to do in God's presence? It tells us that, that when we're in God's presence, we need to intercede. We need to pray. We need to pray for our world. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for our community. We need to say, God, we need your touch. We need your love. We need you to do something about our broken situations. There's a golden calf out there, and God, we need you to destroy it and help our hearts. We've been in a serious season of prayer for God to give us a location for our church for this fall. We've been praying and seeking God's face and saying, God, hey, what do you have for us? And God, and God where do you want us to meet? And we have found one place in, in particular that we just feel like is, is God's place for us. And it was cool this last weekend, I reached out and asked our, our church through our Facebook group. So if you're not in the group, you can join it. It's not exclusive, you can join and asked for prayer, and I said, hey, can you guys just pray for us to get the location that uh, we want to get? And it was really cool. You know, afterwards, I got texts from, from different friends from the church in Chi Alpha, and they're saying, hey, I'm praying, and just believing for this, and they're speaking life over the situation. And that's what we need to be doing in this season, not just for a location, but, but to be praying and saying, God, please bring heaven to earth in our city. God, please help us as we're about to head into a new season as Chi Alpha and planting a church. Please help us, Lord. Please save our lost friends. Please change our hearts. We got some stuff in our hearts that, that, and we just need you to change in this season. We need to prioritize prayer in this season. I just want to challenge you right now. This is just put on my heart. I believe this is from the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you to spend an hour a day praying with God. Just an hour just saying, God, it's me and you. If you need to go on a prayer walk, if you need to go into a closet, whatever, just spend an hour a day saying, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to talk to you. Walter Wink said this. He's a theologian. He said, he said, history belongs to the intercessors. History belongs to the intercessors. All great revivals are birthed out of a season of intercession and prayer. They're, they're birthed out of a desperation where we're saying, God, please move in our land. Habakkuk 3.2 says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them on our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. This is my prayer, that God would show us his great deeds in our day, that he would move in our day. This is what we need to be praying for. We have such an opportunity right now to pray that God would pour out his spirit on our land, that God would do an amazing work in our time. There are times of getting to know God's character and praying in our and interceding, we also need to, or to make some new commitments to God or to, or to renew our commitments. So the third point tonight is in God's presence, we renew our commitments to him. God ends up forgiving the Israelites and he renews his commitment to them. And in a conversation with Moses in Exodus 34, he gives him some instructions about the promised land. He says, hey, when you enter the promised land, there's gonna be other people there who worship other gods. And he says, make sure that you don't go after those other gods. 
God says, if you are so prone to go after a golden calf that you made with your own bare hands, then you need to be very careful that you don't worship the gods of your neighbors. It says in verse 12, take care lest you make a or lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, unless they become a snare in your midst. Just as God urged them to make the commitment ahead of time to not go after little g gods and the gods of their neighbor, God is asking us in this season to make a commitment in this season to not go back to, to the way things were, to not go back to just, just rushing from thing to thing and, and to not go back to or to not praying and being in God's presence. He's saying and said, right now you need to make commitments and you need to renew your resolve and say, even when things go back to normal, I'm not going to go after the gods of our culture. I'm not going to watch Netflix all night, which if you're doing that now, you can just make that commitment now, right? I'm not going to worship the God of success. I'm not going to worship the God of popularity. I'm not gonna worship the God of pleasure. Instead, I'm going to make my pleasure Jesus. He said, I'm going to make Jesus my God. I'm going to serve him completely no matter what happens. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to resolve to serve him and him alone. He wants us to, or to renew our commitments to him in his presence and say, God, we're all in. We're going to do whatever you ask us to do. In this church planting season, I faced a lot of spiritual warfare. I'm not kidding you guys. More spiritual warfare than ever before by far. It's not even close. Like the devil does not want people to plant churches. And for me, one of the biggest sources of temptation has been how I'm going to lead this church. Some of you are thinking, oh, is it going to be pride or sexual sin? No, no. Like, how am I going to lead this church? Like, in what way am I going to do it? The temptation has been to change the way I lead, to lead in a way that attracts more people, that attracts crowds, that, that can build the church really quick, and to go against our, our core values that have built Chi Alpha, the core values of the presence of God, discipleship, of challenging people, of, of calling people to rise up, I face the temptation to say, I'm just going to throw all that away and just be an attractive church that just tries to draw crowds and doesn't challenge anybody. That's been the, the temptation. And, and this coronavirus season has actually kind of snapped me back into reality. I told Derek, I felt like before I was having a little bit of an, an identity crisis, trying to figure out who I am and how I'm going to lead. But now I know that God is calling us to be a people after his presence, a people who are committed to becoming like Jesus and a people who live on mission. This season for me has been a season of renewing my commitments to what I wanted to do when I first got into ministry, which is to see big, strong followers of Jesus created. I don't want to draw a crowd, although I would love to have a crowd, but I want to build big people who love Jesus with everything they have and will do whatever he says. I pray that you'll be in that with me. Let's see the kingdom of God come in our day. We want the Cedar Valley to look like heaven. My prayer is that the church wouldn't just end up looking like the world, but instead the church would cause the world to look like heaven. That's my prayer. God has called me to renew my commitments, and I'm so thankful for this season because of that. But I believe that God wants you to renew your commitments as well. God wants you to go back to the love you had at first when you first fell in love with Jesus and say, do you remember what it felt like when you first fell in love with me and that passion you had for me? Please come back to that. God wants you to, or to renew your commitment to purity. Maybe some of you need to delete some apps tonight. Delete that Instagram, delete the, the TikTok or whatever. Delete those apps tonight because they're causing you to stumble. Or maybe God is calling you to be generous and you need to write a check, which I don't think any of you do that, but Venmo, okay, whatever you do, maybe you need to be generous in this season. God is calling us to renew our commitments to him and to say, I'm gonna do whatever you ask me to do. So right now, this is my challenge for you, right where you're at. Pray and ask God, say, 
God, what do you want me to do? And whatever he tells you to do, I want to challenge you to do it right now. All right, so in God's presence, we make new commitments to him. We renew our commitments, just like Moses did, and said, hey, we're not going to worship the gods of the other peoples. But there's one more thing I think we need to experience or do in God's presence. It's this. In God's presence, we must ask him to go with us. In God's presence, we must ask him to go with us. In a conversation with God in Exodus 33, God tells Moses that he'll go with him as he goes into the promised land. And Moses says something profound in verse 15. He says this, and he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He says, if your presence ain't gonna go, I don't wanna leave. He says, if your presence ain't coming with me, I don't even wanna go into the promised land. And I'm praying the same thing. If God's presence does not go with us into this church plant, if God's presence does not go into us into the, or go with us in this new season of Derek leading Chi Alpha, I don't wanna go there. God's presence has to go with us. His spirit has to empower us. That's my prayer, that God's presence would go with us. Our times of being in God's presence have to be times where we ask God to go before us and to prepare the way and to be with us each and every step of the way. It has to be a time where we ask God, say, God, in this next season, please do the heavy lifting. Please don't let me try to do things on my own strength, but instead empower me to be the person that you called me to be. Go with me. It has to be time where we say, God, bear fruit through us. We don't want to try to squeeze fruit out, but instead bear fruit through us. And I get that from John 15, 5. Okay, I want to read this quick. John 15, 5. This is what Jesus said. This is important. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is telling us if we want to bear kingdom fruit, we have to be connected to him. We have to be with him. His presence has to go with us. That's my prayer, that God's presence would go with us. And Jesus himself modeled this in his ministry. He would stay up all night praying and spending time with God. If Jesus needed to spend time with God, if he needed to ask God's presence to go with him, then we need to do it. The night before he picked his 12 disciples, he stayed up all night praying, saying, God, lead me, guide me. That has to be our prayer as well. I don't want us to plant this church on our own strength. I don't want us to navigate this new season for Chi Alpha on our own strength. I don't want to be the most polished people. I don't want to be the most talented people. I want to be the most dependent people. That's what I want for us. Let's prioritize the presence of God. Let's ask him to blaze the trail. And I'm telling you, as God fights for us, as he goes with us, he's going to do far more than we could ever ask or dream. So tonight, the main idea is this. As we head into this new season, we must prioritize the presence of God so that we can shine with the radiance of God. As we head into this new season, we must prioritize the presence of God so we can shine with the radiance of God. That's what God has for us tonight. Let's prioritize his presence. I believe there's three groups of people here tonight. There's three groups of people watching. The first group is is those of you who are tuning in and you're followers of Jesus. You already have professed faith in Christ. You're, you're following him. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you've been doing a good job lately of leaning into his presence. It's been a beautiful season for you. You've experienced the joy of God's presence. Like you can relate with David when he says in Psalm 1611, says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. That's how you feel right now. And I just felt 
or felt led to encourage you tonight to say that the, the, or to say that the devil wants to snatch that from you. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he wants to devour or snatch that from you. He wants to take that from you. So I want to encourage you to stay humble, to stay dependent, to keep prioritizing God's presence, to not think it's a given, but instead to do whatever God asks you to do and to lean into him, to give him extravagant time. All right, the second group is this. It's those who are followers of Jesus. And if you're honest, you have not been prioritizing God's presence at all. You know, maybe you've been reading your Bible. Maybe you've been praying. But you're not experiencing the fullness and the joy of God's presence. You're not really diving into the depths of who he is. You're not really driven to excitement and joy and celebration in his presence. You're not driven to awe in his presence. But instead, you're just kind of going through the motions. You're just kind of scratching the surface of his presence. But, but God wants you to go deep. God's calling you beneath the surface. He does not want your prayers to be powerless and your commitments to be half-hearted. Instead, he wants your prayers to be full of his presence, to be full of power. He wants your commitments to be true and real. I implore you right now, and I'm serious about this. I implore you, if that's you, I want you to drop to your knees right now in God's presence, right here, right now, and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need your presence in this time. God, I need you to just, or just reawaken my heart. Holy Spirit, I need your presence. I just want to encourage you to pray that, to, to beg God to move right where you're at. Just begin proclaiming who he is. Begin thanking him for his love and for his power and say, and acknowledge that he wants to draw near to you. Say, God, I know you want to draw near to me right now, and I'm drawing near to you. It says in James 4, it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So right now, draw near to God. All right, finally, I believe that there's a group of people that are watching and you don't have right relationship with God. Maybe you've watched the last few weeks and you've been considering a relationship with God, or maybe this is your first time. And tonight, I just believe that God wants to write your name down in his book. God wants to bring you into relationship with him. Jesus wants to save you tonight. Jesus wants to bridge the gap between you and God. Tonight, I pray that you'd realize that your sin has separated you from God and that you need a savior. And just like, Moses, or just like Moses was willing to give up himself for his people, Jesus gave up himself for you on the cross. He died the death that you should have died. And he rose from the grave doing what you could never do. And now if we just put our trust in that, if we put all our weight in that, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So right now, I wanna pray for you. If that's you, I just wanna pray for you. And it's just a simple prayer of trust, okay? So just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're not praying that prayer, just pray it with us. Pray it along with our friends. So let's pray. Jesus, right now, we ask you to save us. God, for those of us who want a new relationship with you, right now, Holy Spirit, come on the inside and change us. Make us a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God, I pray that that would happen right now in so many hearts as we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's one more way to respond. If, as I talked about prioritizing God's presence, you realize that that's you, that, that tonight you need to prioritize his presence. I wanna just lead you out in a prayer, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask for more of your presence. Holy Spirit, we need you in our time. Holy Spirit, we need to be in your presence every day. So Holy Spirit, just lead us right now. Lead us into your presence. Lead us into the secret place. Lead us up to the mountain. Lead us into the tent. God, help us to speak to you as Moses spoke to you, to have that kind of friendship with you. Help us to hear your voice, Jesus. 
Help us to be like those sheep who hear the good shepherd's voice. Jesus, we want to hear you. We want to be with you. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you prayed a prayer of salvation, we want to pray with you personally. So please fill out the form, fill out the prayer form and just let us know that you put your faith in Jesus. And if you need prayer at all about anything, fill out that form as well. And we'd love to be in touch with you and pray with you. All right, guys, thanks so much for coming and we'll see you next week.